Regions believes that being a bank means serving the community. Regions is shining the light on local food banks as they feed our neighbors in need. See how you can help at regions.com slash food bank. The Regions branches are open by drive through or lobby appointment only. Bank safely and securely from almost anywhere with Regions Online banking or mobile banking. Data rates may apply. Regions Bank. Member FDIC. The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Tire Kingdom. Let Tire Kingdom get you there safely and affordably. Midas. Trust the Midas Touch. Outback Steakhouse. No rules, just right. And by Regions Bank. Making life better every day. This is Duly Noted. Everything Florida Gators with your host, Pat Dooley. Okay, welcome to another edition of the Duly Noted Podcast. Looking forward to my guest today, Don Gaffney. We will uh, talk to him about a lot. Uh, you can guess what we're going to talk about. Of course, Don Gaffney was the first African-American quarterback who uh, at Florida and has some stories uh, to tell. And um, it's, it's amazing how few that have been at Florida when you think about it. And I'm probably going to miss somebody. But Terry LeCount came after him, although he was kind of a running back quarterback. They did um, put some guys. There was the 79 team, it's funny, which was 0-10-1. Tyrone Young and John L. Brown and uh, I'm trying to think of the third. Oh, Tyrone Young, John L. Brown, Tim Groves. And uh, Larry Ochab and John Brantley. So there were two African American quarterbacks who actually played at quarterback for that team. Donald Douglas, as we all know, those of you who remember that awful '89 team that went down the tubes, and then um, and then Chris Leak. Obviously, we had Chris Leak on our radio show the other day, and he had some really interesting things to say too. This is just what we 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 are talking about because it is certainly. Um, you know, the story of what's going on in the world. Part of, you know, it's funny how, not funny, but it's interesting how uh, COVID kind of took a back seat to race relations and now kind of COVID may be coming back. Um, but we'll talk some sports here and then we'll get to the Don Gaffney interview, three things, all that stuff. This is a penultimate duly noted podcast for this fiscal year i guess you would say because we do one today and then next week we take off as i am going to be on vacation i will be lounging on the beach and uh there you may hear harpoons going off or something because uh my big butt is going to get out on that beach a lot that's my only goal is to not think about anything and then we'll come back on june 30th and do one more uh to kind of wrap up what we've all been going through and and i appreciate all you loyal listeners you guys have really made this podcast great and then we'll take a few we'll take some time off and like i said earlier we don't know how long we'll wait and see when the gators are going to come back i mean the the plan is august 7th they're back to work that's when they're they come back to camp uh dan mullen said that today and okay so we may start around august 7th uh, back with the podcast we'll see we'll just see it's it's flexible and we appreciate all the great advertisers who help us out with this podcast as well because obviously um you know they help they're the fuel right they keep us going. Dan Mullen did have a teleconference, Zoom conference, whatever you want to call it. Well, you call it a Zoom conference. You don't call it a teleconference. But he had a Zoom conference today. Not a lot on there. It was a lot of um, him just talking about what his guys need to do. There was, you know, Robbie did ask him. I was going to get to this question, but Robbie got to it first. I'm a little surprised that Florida has not done anything in terms of. Uh, you know, a march or, you know, marching those kids down to, uh, which a lot of the players want to do, to uh, to the to register for the election, stuff like that. Uh, Florida's kind of been quiet on that. And when Robbie asked him about it, um, and he knew I was going to ask him about it if, if he didn't get to it, um, Mullen just said, look, that's internal. So I think that's the way Florida's handling it. They're not going to make a big show about something. You know, for example, I saw where Arkansas's coach, 
Nobody even knew he was in a march, and he did it, and, and he, he wasn't doing it to show, bring the attention on himself. Now, some coaches – and look, if you're doing something to help this cause and help uh, people act a little bit smarter and do some things and get rid of this ridiculous race, racism that we have in this world, I'm all for it. But there are definitely coaches that are using it as a way to be seen and to recruit. Don't think they aren't. I don't think uh, I don't think Dan feels that way. I, I think he's, um, and I'm curious whether they will do something down the road. If you do nothing, you like like a lot of coaches believe the best way to deal with this is to listen, and that's not wrong. Okay, that is not wrong. The best way to deal with it may be to listen and not to speak so much. You know, I've had arguments with my 19 year old daughter about what I'm doing and what I'm not doing. And you need to do this, Dad. You need to march. I'm not sure the newspaper wants me to march. But i got to check with that because they may say it's fine. I, I, I remember Dave Matthews came to give a concert here in Gainesville one year, and um, it was for the Democratic Party. And I'm like, I don't care who you're for. I want to go see Dave Matthews. I couldn't go. They weren't. We weren't allowed to go. We're not supposed to be making news. We're supposed to be reporting on it, and that's the logic there. But at any rate, um, so anyway, Dan Mullen uh, didn't have a whole lot to say. Uh, one thing he did say that was really interesting to me, and I don't know. I, this may have kind of gone over some people's heads. He said it may take till the second game of the season before they really know what they have. And I'm like, yeah, that is very true. The second game of the season, look, I've said all along, this is a one-game season. you got to beat Georgia. But that second game of the season, again, looms with Kentucky. Kentucky had Florida beat last year. They had them beat two years ago. They beat them uh, – well, no, let me get the math right. They beat them – two years ago they had not beat last year and they had not beat three years ago three straight years they were probably the better team three years in a row against florida now i know that you know you can look at it florida should be better than kentucky right now kentucky's lost a lot but that game's going to be huge i know it's going to be here but it probably going to be in front of a full stadium i i i would bet Big bucks. I wish Vegas would run a line on attendance for September games. If you think that Florida, there's going to be 85,000 people in the swamp for the Florida-Kentucky game, you're out of your mind. That's not going to happen. So Florida will lose that advantage. That's a huge game. Look, I know that when they go to Tennessee, I know that's kind of a big game. There's an obvious the Ole Miss trap game everybody's talked about. LSU comes to town. You still got to play FSU at the end of the year. All the look, you look at the schedule though. I think Kentucky might be the second biggest game of the year for Florida. It might be. We all know what number one is, and I wrote a column this week. Uh, actually, the back nine. It was a lead to my back nine, talking about the Florida situation and how, while people are falling in love with them, they are putting this incredible amount of pressure on Florida's team, which I don't think the Florida team is going to feel. And I know Dan Mullen is not going to feel it. Do you think he cares whether we think you better win it this year or you're, or, or all things are going to hell? Uh, no, of course not. You you. You coach this year's team. This is one thing I've learned covering a lot of different football teams. You are coaching this year's team to the best of your ability to get the most out of them you possibly can. And when it's over and the last game is played and the the clock hits zero, you move on to the next one. And you move on right away. You don't waste time. This is what Mike White – you know, one reason we haven't heard anything from Mike White – for 15 weeks since the pandemic shut down Florida basketball is he moved on. He moved on immediately. He was like, all right, season's over. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about what didn't, didn't go wrong. I don't want to talk about any of that stuff. I'm moving on to next year. 
And that's what all coaches really do, and they're the best ones do, is they move on to the next team. Because the next team now deserves all of your attention. You're always going to be friends with those guys. You're always going to welcome them in. You're always going to say, hey, I really appreciate what you did. You're going to have exit meetings with some of them. But for Florida's football team, it's all about this year. But it doesn't mean that it's a make it or break it. I, I get tired of seeing that. I get tired of reading that. It's not make it or break it. Are we? Gonna, is Florida going to fold the program if they don't win the SEC this year? No, of course not. You want to. It's the goal. It's a big, big year for Florida football. You know what? Make sure you'll be big too. And the year after that and the year after that. All years are big. But what Florida has, you know, obviously Florida needs to beat Georgia. It would be great. It would take Florida to a different level. It would take Florida to a level of possibly being in the playoff. There's no guarantee. You don't know what's happened before and after. You don't know what's happened with other teams. But it would probably put Florida into the playoff. That's a big deal. That is going to be a big step in recruiting. I totally get that part of it. That part of it is Florida really needs to beat Georgia. They really need to win the East. They really need to get in the college football playoff if they want to take the next step. Totally agree with that. But if they don't, they're not ending football at Florida. Okay? So I just think that that sometimes we get into this hoopla of of just – it's not even raised expectations. It's just, it's got to happen now. If it doesn't happen now, it'll never happen. It'll happen. There was probably a time when Florida fans were wondering, will we ever beat the dogs? And Spurrier came along, beat him 11 out of 12. And Zook beat him the next two years. And Muschamp comes along, can't beat him. Okay? Th- this is just the way it goes. And 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 you can look at this situation with Florida and think about what they've got and how the schedule sets up and it it is it is totally beneficial but I want to talk more about that as you know we take a break usually early in the show so we'll take a break right now when we come back I'm going to tell you what I think about the schedule also we'll get into all the stuff that's going on some over-unders on wins baseball's disaster and good news for gator baseball all that three things coming up later in the show you're listening to the duly noted podcast at gatorsports.com Tire Kingdom is open to serve your auto repair needs at all 190 plus locations throughout the state of Florida. Tire Kingdom is taking additional safety precautions and offers curbside and stay-in-car services. Tire Kingdom is currently offering oil change specials and essential business appreciation offers on tires and service. Visit TireKingdom.com for details. That's TireKingdom.com. Hey Gator fans, in all kinds of weather, we all stick together and we need that now more than ever. Doors are open at your local Gainesville Midas on Archer Road and at other Midas locations throughout the country. At Midas, our doors have been open since 1956 and that's not going to change now. As an essential business, we remain committed to keeping the health and safety of you and your vehicle a priority. Come on by or go to Midas.com to find your local store hours. Welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. I do want to talk about the schedule part of it for Florida. And and everybody talks about and and they're not wrong. It, that part of the reason that this is a this is a year for Florida to do it is that the schedule sets up well. Florida plays at Ole Miss, Georgia plays at uh, at Alabama. Nobody in the world would ever make that well, you might have five years ago made that switch but not even then you wouldn't have in the preseason uh it's a it's it's a good situation for florida georgia gets them early before uh jamie newman's had gotten his feet really wet uh georgia gets alabama early is what i'm saying so yeah 
they could easily come into that game with a loss. I think they play Auburn, I believe, right before uh, or before they get to the Gator game, and they could lose that game. I'm not saying they will, but they could lose that game. And that game's in in Sanford Stadium. They could come into that game with two losses, and Florida could come in undefeated. Florida could be playing Georgia and not have to beat them to win the East. However, there's there's other things at, at play here. I do think one thing about Florida's schedule is that they have – I don't think uh, because of the schedule, and, and unless – like, the, for example, if Florida State ends up being really good this year, you don't expect it, I don't expect it, Mike Norvell probably doesn't expect it, the fans over there don't expect it, there's a reason why they've been as bad as they have been, okay? And even if they've improved recruiting, that you can't turn it around in one year. So forget about FSU being really good. But if they were, if they had a really good team this year, yeah, it would be a bonus for Florida. But because the schedule's set up the way it is, and, and this is one reason Scott Strickland's trying hard to schedule more power fives, you know, obviously Colorado, Texas, um, Utah, we've all been added to the schedule. Miami, um, even USF is better than what they're playing. The Eastern Washington game is a McIlwain favor that they never should have committed to, obviously. Uh, they get South Alabama after between Kentucky and Tennessee, which is really kind of an ideal situation. You're going to have a tough physical game with Kentucky. You know that. That's the way they play. Win that game. Go play easy game against South Alabama. You know, and then go then go to Tennessee for your first road game. You're, you should feel like you're in pretty good shape. And obviously playing at Ole Miss, I wouldn't want to play at Ole Miss in two years, but this year might not be too bad. They got good players. They got some good players. They don't have enough. Okay. Doesn't mean they can't beat Florida. You know, I mean, it's football, right? And again, I am speaking as if everything goes along as we expect it to. I know that, like, for example, the news just came down earlier today. Beijing closing all its classes because they've had a new spike. It scares the living crap out of me. Are we, is this what we're going to have to go through? Well, so take all the news out of Beijing with a little bit of grain of salt. I think we all do. But I'm worried about that. But I have to go under the premise, as does Dan Mullen, and he talked about this today, you have to assume everything's going to go as scheduled. If it doesn't, you adjust. And it could end up being the teams that adjust the best are going to end up being the most successful, not the teams that are prepared the best. For example, you know, when they had the strike, remember the NFL strike and they had the replacement games, the teams that adjusted ended up in the playoffs. Teams that didn't, didn't. So I think I've lost my point, which was the, that Florida's schedule is set up really well for them and they might not have to be Georgia. But if they don't be Georgia, it could affect whether they got in the playoffs. Let's say they went 11-1. and one, And you would say, well, they beat LSU – and LSU struggles a little bit, maybe. And look, they're going to be a nine and three type team, okay? Maybe ten and two, but maybe eight and four, you know, with all the personnel they've lost. So the point is, eh, it doesn't look like that great a win, and and it was at home. What was your best road win? Yeah, we won at Ole Miss. FSU goes nine and or eight and four. Um, the point being losing to Georgia may not cost Florida the East, but it could cost them a chance to win a national title. So all all these things are all things that we just like to speculate about. We're allowed to speculate. It's fun. I I, I get that. Like I, I read something the other day where Scott Strickland was really upset with the way people keep speculating about the season, Uh, other ADs. And this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen because nobody knows what's going to happen. Nobody knows what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day or the day after that. It's interesting. I saw a, I was kind of curious about some over-unders and I found one that was fairly recent that came out and, um, Alabama and Georgia predicted to win the same number of games, 10 and a half. 
Well, I, I do some math here, and I go, Alabama, if you assume Alabama's going to beat Georgia, which they may not, or Georgia beats Alabama, I, the loser of that game is probably not getting to – I would not bet the over, let's put it that way. Florida at nine and a half. The worst teams, obviously, Arkansas three and a half. Felipe Franks is not going to solve all their problems. Vanderbilt three and a half. Commodores. Is it going to be the end for Derek Mason? I, I'll be curious. Like, there's no real hot seat in the SEC other than Derek Mason. I don't think Muschamp is on a hot seat for this reason. I think he can get the six wins, get him to a bowl. They're not going to fire him and make that big payout. They're like everybody else. Finances are really tough right now, unless he has just an awful, dreadful four and eight season, which we've seen. I don't think he's really on a hot seat. All right. Um, a lot of stuff going around around the country, the, the the Mike Gundy mess, which is so weird. He's such a weird dude. Thank God Florida didn't hire him, and Florida did inquire about him, and and it would have been, I, I would not have been a good hire. I don't think. I don't think culturally he would fit in here. I don't think he fits in very many places at all. But, um, you know, wearing the T-shirt for a radical right-wing organ um newscasts that that look i'm not going to get into the politics of it but it's it's a tone deaf move okay and chubba hubbard saying i'm up this i'm done i'm not playing for this guy basically and then they they somehow get him right away to to apologize for saying that he never should have apologized but oklahoma state's got a problem with mike gundy Okay, and it's it's an ongoing problem, and it's probably never going to go away. And he's probably always going to be there, but I don't I don't care about that. You know, Ohio State all their players sign a waiver. I don't care about that. Waivers like that are no good in court anyway. It doesn't really matter. You know, I asked Scott Strickland about. It. He goes, I don't know. He goes, I think we sign waivers about injuries and stuff because we we know these don't matter. So we're not we're not even going to worry about it. Then we have all these statues coming down, and uh, the Eyes of Texas thing is fascinating to me. I had no idea what the Eyes of Texas was about. I knew it was, I've been working on the railroad. That's all I knew. Turns out it was done in minstrel shows. Players want it done. And then they're making, then a lot of the student athletes are making really tough demands over there. They want everything renamed and they want Daryl Royal Stadium renamed. That ain't going to happen. The question I have though is it time for the Redskins and the Braves? I've been a Braves fan my whole life. I don't have I'm not as obsessed or I don't want to say I'm obsessed at all. I'm not as upset with the Braves name as I am with the chop. That kind of bothers me, and if it, but if it, it's not a matter whether it bothers me, does it bother Native Americans, the people who were here when we got here? If it bothers enough of them, okay, get rid of it. The, you know, FSU has made its peace with the uh, the the uh, Indian nation that uh, basically. It, you know, is in this state, so they've got no problem. They've they've never really gotten pushed on it. But the Redskins, come on, man! The Redskins thing, it's if if it doesn't end now, it'll never end, never. If they don't get rid of the Redskins in the next year, they're going to be the Redskins as long as you're alive. I promise you. All right. um in, let's get to our interview. I got a bunch of other things to talk about. Obviously, we're living in a world where there's no sports, but there's plenty of things to talk about. Um, I will take a break right now, and then when we come back, we'll talk to Don Gaffney. Don Gaffney has been a longtime friend of mine. I covered him in college. I covered him in the uh, AFL, or was it AFA? The football, American, the Jacksonville Firebirds, whatever league they were in. And, uh, but we'll talk about his time in Florida and also uh, dealing with being the first African-American quarterback at the University of Florida. That and more when we come back on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. 
Outback Steakhouse is committed to serving communities by doing what they do best, serving you and making a great steak. That's why Outback has curbside takeaway and delivery open and available starting daily at 11 a.m. at most locations. Let Outback help make things a little easier and taste a whole lot better. Visit Outback.com for more information and to place your curbside takeaway order. And Outback will bring your order straight to your car. Or you can order delivery directly from Outback.com. You can also find Outback Steakhouse on DoorDash and Uber Eats. Regions believes that being a bank means serving the community. Regions is shining the light on local food banks as they feed our neighbors in need. See how you can help at Regions.com slash food bank. The region's branches are open by drive through or lobby appointment only. Bank safely and securely from almost anywhere with region's online banking or mobile banking. Data rates may apply. Region's Bank. Member FDIC. All right, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. What a great pleasure to be joined by my good friend, Don Gaffney. Of course, uh, many of you know him for uh, – he was the first African-American quarterback to play for the University of Florida. And to me, quarterback, one of the great teams of all time. In fact, Don, we are um, – Robbie and I have put together a list of the top 20 teams in the history of Florida football, and it was a daunting task. But we, we made sure that 75 team got some love. Well, I'm glad to hear that, Pat, because, you know, I've, uh, I, I didn't realize, I mean, we've, we've had teams with with uh, better records since. But, you know, if I'm not mistaken, back in 75, which, you know how close we came to being undefeated. Right. Close we came. Three right? points and one point, and yeah. That's <laughs> right. Absolutely. You know, and, uh, you know, the, the, the mistake uh, against North NC State when we were right there in field goal range would have won it for us and then you know then we fumbled no we um, didn't fumble it Larry Brinson fumbled it I'm I'm never <laughs> forgiving him for that okay <laughs> you know and I was trying to protect the football too. <laughs> uh, but uh but yeah you know I you know it was the, it was a team that I, I really think that um um, you know, we were we were exceptional. We were one of the better data teams. There have been a lot of great teams, but that was a deep football team. Uh, we had a great offensive line and tremendous defense, very well known. Yeah. And um, we had, and we even had more wide receivers than people really realized. We were better at that position than people realized, but we were running the response, and uh, we had such a stable back. So, you know, you had to you had to make a choice. So. Uh, I, I love the team. It was a lot of fun, and yeah, we were we were a good football team, no doubt about it. When you uh, got the job, and obviously you got it at Auburn, you and I have talked about that story before. Where right when uh, Doug Dickey walks in, hands you the ball, and says it's your game, basically. Right. Um, mm-hmm. What what though was the reaction? I, and again, well, what we're dealing with now in this in the world, what was the reaction from the fan base? I mean, uh, did 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 you get some negative stuff, some negative feedback uh, even after you? Because it was a good thing to start on the road. Yeah, well, you, you probably got a little bit of it there too. <laughs> you you know we did. Uh, you know, I tell you something. You know, Coach Dickey was such a great psychologist because. Uh, and you know, Pat, you were very close. You were right there with us. You realized um, the week before, or the two weeks before, you know, because after the situation with Ole Miss, we had an open date before we went to Auburn, and um, I got more work than I'd been getting. And Coach Dickey didn't make a big issue about the fact that I was getting more work. I was getting a lot of work anyway. But if you were close to us, you knew that something different was happening here. Now I was thinking that we were going to play that I was going to play a little bit more that they put a bigger package in for me I didn't know when and how much I had no idea that I'd be the starting quarterback even when we got on the plane to leave games you know uh, but uh, you know David was still David and he had a lot of ability he was SEC passing champ the year before so it's just a matter of selling things down Um, but uh, you know as you very well know five minutes before the kickoff Coach Dickie put the ball in my hand and said Don you got it and, yeah, you know, even on our team, there were some guys that didn't understand that move. You understand mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, there were some guys who probably thought to themselves, what's Coach trying to tell us? Uh, the season's over. You know, about that starting Gaffney. You know, we know David is a, a, a proven quarterback. But, you know, 
I had played, you know, in several games leading up to that. I just hadn't been the starter. And I had not played at very important times in the games, if you will. Um, but um, I think um, right after it happened, there was so much joy in having won at Auburn for the first time. And, and that, you know, I've said this to, to you before, I didn't know we hadn't won at Auburn before, That's right. you know. And I didn't know that. So I didn't know how to handle that. And I guess I didn't handle it well because I said, you know, you know, as far as a jank concerned, it was a beautiful day for football. Uh, we were on a grass field, uh, you know, you know, the same type that we practice on and play on. And I just, um, or we practice on, I, just, I, you know, I just thought the situation was fine. All we had to do was go out there and play. We knew that Auburn was a good football team, so we didn't have anything to lose. So we were looking more at ease, I think. Starting me, of course, tightened things up a little bit, I think. But it, it was such a short period uh, uh, between the time he said, I, you know, the team realized I was going to be the starter that day, or even I realized it, and kickoff, that we didn't have time to do anything but go out and play football. And uh, as you very well know, Pat, we went, we won quite a few games. We had, a, I think they called it a November to remember. It was a November to remember, yeah. Conference. That's it. And um, the, 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 I guess the real shocker was coming back uh, my junior year, we'd come in and we wanted to, you know, we ranked preseason one of the top teams in SEC for sure. Um, and the first game out in, you may recall, in Tampa, and I moved, you know, yeah. uh, and coming on the field. And um, I got this um, I got this threat, this death threat, if you will. I don't know if it was a gag or what, but, you know, you can't take those things uh, light. All right, um, right. And, uh, you know, I mean, my thing was I haven't thrown the first steps, you know, from the ball or anything. <laughs> we haven't kicked off yet. And there's someone who just has a problem with my being the starting quarterback for the Gators. Every game that I started at one, with the exception of the, you may recall, the uh, Tangerine Bowl, which was right. moved to Gainesville, and I had the back problem. And it was also eight Gainesville. degrees, too. That's right. It was eight <laughs> degrees. <laughs> Absolutely. It was eight degrees. It was so cold. The coldest game I've ever been in. I've ever been around. And, uh, but I found that rather strange. Uh, and... Uh, it really took, um, I mean, it, it took a great deal of um, thought and prayer to get through that moment. Um, I didn't play well. We won the game. I didn't. I just didn't feel good. I didn't feel good about it because I couldn't understand what was happening to us. And, uh, you know, because Dickie sensed that and he knew what to do. And, uh, you know, the team, you know, we, we understood what we were, we were going to have to deal with here for the very first time, you know, the... Racing was something that was that became, I guess, an issue for the very first time. And of course, I've been in Gainesville for such a short time, so it did not. I had not been confronted with anything like that, and uh, so it had nothing to do with my play or anything that I'd done uh, on the field or even off the field. It was the fact that I was down Daphne. I was from where I was from, and I looked the way I looked. Well, think about this. I mean, th- Florida had only was only a couple of years into an integrated football team. That's right. That's I, I right. mean, it's pretty amazing when you think about that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, I mean, my goodness, Pat. Think about when when we, you and I got when we got there to Gainesville. When we got to, to, to Florida, the, the class I came in with was one of the well, certainly the largest that they've had. You know, one of the largest in the at that point. Uh, probably one of the largest in the country uh, from the standpoint of Afro-Americans or blacks, if you will, because I think we had 13, you know? Mm-hmm, right. And, uh, and, and and all quality players, you know? And you look back on it, all quality players. And uh, so we were a young team, you know, with the exception of Willie and, 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 and Vince, uh, Nat, you know, uh, Preston, those guys, they came in a year before us, but uh, Willie and Vincent and Nat, uh, uh, Vince and, and Matt and um, Leonard George. Uh, Leonard, Luke, Leonard George, yeah, yeah Leonard. Uh, there were many Lucas who left. You know, uh, we were uh, uh, we, we were extremely young team. I mean, I mean, those guys were still there when we got there. So that goes to show you how new it was to, to Florida football. We had not had the first four year class of uh, black athletes graduate from Florida yet. That hadn't happened yet. By the you know, time. 
I was going to say, by the time you got to your senior year, do you think that had yeah. backed off a little bit? Do you, you weren't getting as much trouble, or were you still getting those awful letters in the mail? Because let's, let's not forget, it wasn't it was right around the same time Hank Aaron was getting those those kind of letters. That's right. That's exactly right. And you know what? I'll tell you something. One of the things I love about the University of Florida, Pat, uh, it's, it sounds strange, but, but it's true. I really love about the University of Florida is this. There, I mean, our, our whole attitude matured or changed, if you will, or was modified to a certain extent because I think the majority of Gator fans realized that, hey, look, we're all Florida Gators and we're going to leave it at that. I'm sure there were some isolated incidents. Uh, you know, certainly my family heard things in the, in, in the stands. Um, you know, on the road, because, you know, you may recall, Pat, that my family used to travel uh, to different games away and, and, and hear things that um, that people would say, you know, uh, I don't mean this. Um, on campus, I was never confronted. None of us were. We, had, we didn't even have that discussion, okay? Uh, the majority of Gator fans were wonderful. They were wonderful. We didn't have the problems I guess you might have elsewhere, but um, there were some old diehards, I think, that uh, they couldn't understand themselves probably why they felt the way they did, all right? Uh, they just did not see, I guess, the uh, – these are people that just could not accept that type of change. So there were some people, even as we finished up our senior year, we still had uh, instance, in, incidents that um, we believe are precipitated by our race. Um, so it was something that was always on our minds, but rarely discussed. You know, when we went to Alabama, for example, one year, uh, the play, and we saw those, uh, the cotton fields out there, those people out picking cotton, picking cotton. It was, it was kind of a funny thing. Uh, we were, you know, we, we were busting into the, uh, stadium, and this was in Bern, no, Tuscaloosa, I think it was. And, uh, you know, we started you out picking cotton, and it was amazing how, you know, nobody said anything, but we were all looking, and you can see the difference between the black players and the white players, like, wow, you know. <laughs> you know, this is a bad guy. And I'm going to tell you, you know, we had, uh, I remember Preston, you know, Preston was very vocal about things. You know that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it was like... <laughs> Unbelievable. You know, it says I'm unbelievable. I can't believe this still goes on. Or <laughs> yeah, we know it was 73, uh, 74, whatever. Uh, but the bottom line is, you know, life goes on. Things haven't changed that much because, uh, you know, here we are playing in the SEC, top conference in, in college football, we believe, that time, and playing for the Florida Gators, a team in the deep south, and we're treated like every other football player. Um, you know, I, I watched that movie, uh, the Express, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and, and you know, and, and and it was amazing to to you know Tracy and I was you know watching that and and and, and, and I was trying to compare some of the things that went on uh, and share with her some of the things that we experienced from a locker room standpoint and in practice and that type of thing. But then to see these guys uh, go to the, I think it was the Cotton Bowl, and when they get there, they realize that the hotel they were at, blacks couldn't stay in the hotel. They had to find a special accommodation for those guys, you know, and I'm thinking how fortunate we were because we never had that issue. But then again, I don't know what the coaches had to go through to find places. Yeah, that's a good it. point. Well, not only that, but, but think about this. I mean, obviously the culture at Florida was, was good enough that you were, you you were followed by all your brothers. I mean, uh, that's right. That's you right. know, obviously some of the great Gators to ever play, uh, and including you, obviously, but Derek and and Warren, uh, Johnny yeah. Warren, yeah. you Warren, know, yeah. and then eventually yeah. Jabbar, you know, ends up and there. Jabbar. So. That's right. There's, that's there's, right. It, I, it it feels it feels kind of weird not to have a Gaffney on the team this year. Can you? <laughs> you, you don't have a grandson <laughs> or something that can play? <laughs> oh yeah, I've got them. As a matter of fact, there will be uh, in a few years. That will be. Uh, 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 some of my, my my dad always talks about his kids, my my father's kids uh, uh, coming along. I've got grand uh, nephews and 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 my own, my own grandson. They're going. They're going to. They're developing well. They're going to be outstanding athletes, outstanding students, and outstanding athletes. But I guarantee you, 
One's going to be a big-time player at the University of Florida. I can assure you that. That'd be great. Okay? Hey. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're coming. Last thing before I let you go. Um, okay. Can you believe we're sitting here right now still having this discussion about race and systemic racism and players getting upset? Uh, after what you went through in probably in 73, 74, 75, right. you're probably thinking right. by this time it'll all have been it, resolved. That's you're right. Uh, you know, you, you, you're right. You know, I, 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 I'm looking at, and you know, the thing is, I'm looking at some of the things that are happening now. And um, you say, my goodness, you know, we we went through a lot of stuff, yes. Uh, and we saw other stuff. And let me just share one quick story with you. Sure. Uh, Mitchie Mitch Jackson was at Auburn. You know, uh, Mitchie was from Florida. He was a running back at Auburn. He was a pretty good running back, too. But you, you may recall, I was in the high school All-Star game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Mitchie was in that game also. And he had signed with Auburn. And, of course, he wanted to come to Florida, he said. But, you know, the Gators, that's the year we signed Jimmy Dew and, and J.R. And, you know, so we were loaded running backs. Uh, Bosco Wade. And, uh, but anyway... When we um, go on the field, you know, players would, uh, if you see a friend, you say hello and that type of stuff as you're warming up. You know how that go. You've seen that, Pat. But I remember uh, the second time we played Auburn, which was the game I, no, the third time, when they came after my start in, in, in uh, Auburn in the game, the next game, the next year in Gainesville, we were warming up and I, I, I was trying to say hello to Mitchie while we were out there. And he just stared at me, wouldn't say anything. So after the game, I asked him, Jimmy Dew and I asked him, you know, hey, Mitchell, what's going on, man? We were, I mean, you act like you didn't want to talk to us. You were that upset, you know? He said, no, man. He said, look, we can't talk to other players, period. You know, that's one of the things, especially, um, I said, we who? Well, black players or white players, but especially black players. This is what he said to me, <laughs> you know? Jeez. And I, I'm thinking, why? Why would they? Why would it be like that? Because you know, Florida, we didn't have those kind of rules, you know. And the coaching staff was wonderful, and you you were around enough, Pat. You knew the whole inside. You know, we were all treated the same. The coach tried his best to make that thing as as comfortable for everybody as possible. And uh, you know, we were talking about a team where you got some white players who had never played with black players. And you got some black players like myself that came out of Jacksonville Reigns, but I'd never been a teammate of a white player, you know? But I had friends. So it was a tough job. Man, they they handled it, the coaching staff handled it so well. And you know, there were some issues um, that took place on the team. You may recall the situation with Mark King. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was um, a center, right? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yes. He was a center. And, uh, you know, Mark just couldn't take it. He just couldn't handle it. You know, his thing was, you know, and by him being a center, me being a quarterback, you know, I was right close to the situation. And he said he just, that's just something he couldn't do. You know, and mm. so Jeez. he left. You know. Uh, he had couldn't snap the ball to you. That's right. Couldn't snap the ball to me. That's amazing. You know? <laughs> and I tell you, you know, I tell that story a few times to people. That's the same thing that comes out of other folks' mouth. You know, that's amazing. But, you know, Mark was a decent person, but he had his roots, you know, the things that he felt. And, you know, up until that incident on the field, you know, he was cordial. You know, you speak to me, how you doing, that type of thing. But, man, when we got ready to go to practice, to camp, uh, my freshman year, um, and, 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 you know, we had the little situation where quarterbacks rotate with the different centers. You know, there were six, eight centers there, and the different quarterbacks go from one to the next to the next to the next. Could not he could not snap it to me, you see. And um, <clears throat> rather than make it a big big deal, uh, Coach handled it quick. And um, Mark decided that you know Troy State, I think it was was a better place for him. Yeah, that's right. That's where Detroit State. That's yeah. where he went. Now, can you imagine wanting to leave the SEC and the Gators to go to Troy State? <laughs> I can't imagine <laughs> it now, let alone then. I... <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. That to show you how deeply rooted. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Don, we appreciate your time. It's great to talk to you. And uh, I am one of the few people in the world that can say that I covered the Jacksonville Firebirds. So uh, I I can tell stories for an hour about about those days, like showing up for practice and there were no uniforms and stuff like that. (laughs) 
Get it out. That's right. All right, my All man. Right, we will see you later. Don Gaffney, one of the great quarterbacks okay, in Florida football history and a quarterback of one of the greatest teams in Florida history. We will be back with more of the Duly Noted Podcast right after this break. All right, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. That that interview went long for obvious reasons. I was enjoying the heck out of it, and uh, I thought it was important as well. Um, I don't want to cut things short. If if you're bored with me, turn it off. It's okay. I get it. Uh, but I, there are a couple things I want to talk about, and then we'll get to three things. How about that? One is the baseball disaster that uh, clearly Rob Manfred is just screwing this up. You, you you now found yourself on the side of the players, back to the side of the players, who say, tell us where and when and we'll go play. We don't agree to any of these terms, but we're going to go play. We're willing to go play. And the owners are, you know, there's no way to root for the owners. Even though you at times go, hey, these baseball players are being greedy too. They are being greedy. They're just not, they don't have as much to be greedy about. The bottom line is, it's almost like, you know, we always are saying they need a commissioner in, the, in college football. It's almost like they need a commissioner in baseball. Oh, wait, they have one? Well, they need a real commissioner. What a mess. It, it's not that big a deal anymore. I've made it to July 16th. Is that what the date is today? Without much real sports. I never thought I could even go this far, let alone into September. I'm going to be okay. If baseball doesn't go back, I'll be fine. The question that everybody has, is baseball going to ruin? I mean, it's never going to go away. We know that. But is it going to take hits that it can never recover from? It's already the third biggest sport, right? It's already dropped down. And, I mean, I don't know what the – you can look at numbers, but to me, the, obviously NFL's one. Is college football two or is the NBA two? Well, you make an argument there, and then you have baseball. Baseball fans trend upwards, older. They're not going to be able to go to games as much, right, with what we're dealing with. And they're getting sick of it too. I don't know. It it, it just feels like a, a self-made mess. And I've gotten to the point now, I'm okay. Either way, I don't care whether you play or not. You want to play, fine. Um, obviously, good news for Gator baseball. I was stunned. I think everybody was stunned. I think Sully was stunned. Tommy Mace and Jack Leftwich coming back. Uh, amazing that this was the number one team in the country didn't get a player drafted. Even their, uh, but th- again, five only five rounds of the draft for some reason. And I think a little bit of it was that Mace had a great start to this year, but he had been a little bit up and down last year. Leftwich the same way, and his ERA wasn't great this year. Um, and maybe they just said, look, we, we, we want to go with some other guys, some younger guys, whatever. Mostly a college draft. I, I don't, I'm just thrilled that they didn't, Take them. And so now Florida knows their starting lineup or starting pitching staff for next year. Very difficult situation for him. And, and all around the country, the coaches now had to go and say, we don't have room for you. We don't have scholarships for you. And everybody says, well, why don't I just let them on the field? Let them come out. You know, walk-ons especially. Why not just let these walk-ons come out and shag balls and, and, and be part of a team? Well, here's why. If you come out and you're you're shagging balls and you're part of the team and you're on the roster and you don't get to play, you get one. You, you're Moonlight Graham. You get one at bat and you transfer to Troy. You count against Florida's APR. They've got to be careful about that kind of stuff. Guys who transfer, it's a it's a flawed system, and they do count against it. I know this was very difficult for Sully uh, to tell several players. He wouldn't give me an exact number. But you had players who were on small scholarships uh, from last year. You had players who were on coming in on scholarship, and you had walk-ons that were on the team. And you had to 
make enough calls to get your roster down because you just can't you just can't walk around with a 60-man baseball team I'm sorry it in college it doesn't work you can't get the play in time you can't get the practice time can't get the tutoring to, it, it just doesn't work trust me <laughs> I don't want to get into too much explanation because I can tell you're already getting bored we had golf this weekend which was thrilling I enjoyed the heck out of it and like I said in my column, I realized the reason I don't care that there are no fans is because I usually watch golf with the sound off for one reason or another. Sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down. Sometimes I turn, I'll be watching, I'll be on my on my computer looking at stuff, and I want to listen to something, so I turn it down. So not having fans didn't bother me at all. It didn't affect me. I don't know if it affected the players. It was a fairly entertaining tournament. Um, an old one that wasn't great. You never like that to see that happen. But uh, golf is moving forward, probably as ahead of most sports. They'll have another tournament next week. Eventually, they'll get fans out there. Good for golf. It's fun for us. I, I I'm enjoying it. All right, is it time for three things? I think it is time for three things. <laughs> It's time for three things. Sponsored by Regions Bank. Making life better every day. Number one, the Sosa McGuire situation. Of course, that new documentary came out. And every time I try to, when I'm watching it or I'm paying attention to it, yeah, I just remember this awful feeling I had. There were two, there's like a combination of awfulness about this to me one was that roger maris's record was going to get broken and i was very close to the family and uh they allowed me to interview pat maris uh the 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 sons who i i know very well uh when they didn't she didn't allow they didn't allow many people to talk to her and i always thought that was a real badge of honor for me that they allowed me to do that uh we were really close to getting billy crystal on our radio show, old radio show, back when uh, 61 came out. 61, I love the movie. It's one of my favorite movies. So that was kind of, you know, it kind of bothered me a little bit, but it didn't seem to bother them. They were they were just glad their dad was getting recognition because, you know, people kind of forgotten Roger Maris. He'd been gone a long time, and but in Gainesville, we all know the Maris's. The Maris's are one of the great families, great Gainesville family. But um, so when he when he hit the 62nd, I remember him jumping up into the stands to hug all the Maris guys. And I was like sitting there and I was like, I, a couple of tears flowed. I was I was like, oh, I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy. They're getting recognized. But obviously with what happened with the steroids, it all changed when they, when they came out. I said, yeah, yeah, did them all the time. Pump me up. Pump you up. I, and I remember, I remember, I just heard a song the other day, Mike Wilbon talking about how when he watched the documentary, he was like, eh, whatever, you know, it changed, it changed the way we felt about those kind of things. And then Barry Bonds comes along and says, well, I, I, I got to see how big my head could get. So I was not overly excited about the documentary i watched some of it i don't care yeah they let they turned a blind eye to let these guys do steroids and risk their their health so that baseball can make a comeback and then they just cheated the fans in my opinion anyway and now they're really cheating them number two roger goodell Last night, they had a uh, big thing with all the commissioners. And Roger Goodell says he will encourage teams to hire and to employ Colin Kaepernick as a quarterback. And my thing is, that's really nice. And it would be great. It ain't happening. Here's the thing. Forget that Colin Kaepernick's been out of football for a while. I'm sure he's in great shape. Colin Kaepernick, let, just let me give you a little background, was one of my favorite players ever in college at Nevada. I loved watching him play. It was like he was running on roller skates. 
the way he ran. I loved him. I bought T-shirts, Nevada T-shirts. That's how much I liked him, and I still like him. And I and I look. You may not agree with me. I'm good with what he what he did. What he felt like he needed to do. I don't feel like you're disrespecting the flag. I feel like you're taking a stand against pr- police brutality. I, I still um, trying to explain to my daughter how important it is, how more important the police are. They need to be trained better. They need to stop doing the things they're doing. But also, they could save my life one day. I, I get that. And again, I don't want to get all political here. But there is no owner in the NFL that's going to go, let's have the biggest story on our team be our backup quarterback. They just won't do it. That's why they don't want to do it. It is. It's not about how they feel politically. Some uh, with some of them, it is. It's most most of the, uh, if not all of the uh, owners are Republican Trump supporters and all that. But they they're not worried about that. They're worried about their fan base, and they're worried about the media. And if if they sign Colin Kaepernick. Uh, I forget who your starter is, but we want to talk to Colin Kaepernick. You know, they don't want that. That was the same thing that that hurt Tim Tebow at the end of his career in the NFL. Is teams didn't want him around because then he was the story, even though he wasn't the starter. It's my belief, and I'm sticking to it. Finally, number three, the Hall of Fame ballot came out today. Brad Culpepper is the only Gator on there. A lot of other really good players. Seabass uh, is on there, Janikowski. Bob Stoops is on the ballot. Um, 78 players, seven coaches. But I got an email from somebody at Florida, a player at Florida, very good player at Florida, who probably should be in the Hall of Fame. And I'm not going to give you his name. And he wanted to know why he and a lot of guys from that era, from that team, were not on the ballot. And I, I told him that there were criteria, and I think they all met them, but you have to be an All-American honored by certain groups, AP, Sporting News, blah, blah, blah. I'm not sure even which they are. But then Florida's got to nominate you. And so Florida may be taking the approach of, you know, we got an awful lot of guys in there, Spurs in there twice. Maybe we only want to try to push one guy in a year. I don't know that. I'm going to check on that. Maybe I'll have more for you in a couple of weeks. But, I look, Brad Culpepper, really great player. No doubt about it. Okay? Um, there's guys that should be in probably before him, but I think Culpepper has a chance because of his academic record as well. Brad Culpepper is a great guy, one of my favorite people in the world. I'm not saying he shouldn't get in. I think he should get in. Well, I can think of some other guys that should get in too that Florida's not nominating. So I'm curious, and I'm going to look into it, okay? I'm going to find out what's going on there. Anyway, uh, I just want to give us a little plug because after I'm gone, and I don't mean gone, gone, hopefully not gone, gone, but um, I'm going on vacation on Saturday, be gone for a week, um, come back and do the podcast, and then be gone for another week. Because I'll be on vacation. That'll be vacation. Next week's a furlough. That week's a, a vacation. But one thing I am leaving for us is something we've been working on. Robbie and I had a meeting about it yesterday or Sunday. Uh, our top 20 Gator football teams of all time. And it was really an interesting conversation that we had. So I hope you guys are going to enjoy it. We'll count them down for you. It'll start on Monday of next week. And then it'll wrap up because it's only going to be it's going to be five at a time, so it'll be done Friday. Well, you'll get one through five on Friday on Thursday. I'm sorry, and then on Friday I'm going to give you the top twenty teams of all time in all sports at Florida. That's harder. That's way harder. I can tell you that. But I've got I think I've got them narrowed down. Um, so that's going to do it for a while. I'm going to be you're not going to hear from me for a couple weeks, but I'll be back. And then we'll see where it goes from there. But thanks so much to everybody for listening in. Thanks so much for putting up with me. Uh, I know that I tend to ramble and tend to go off on different tangents. Uh, Sometimes maybe I get too political. Sometimes I'm not political enough. I get it. Uh, But I I just know that a lot of 
I, I get so much positive feedback that I feel pretty good about what we're doing. Thanks again to Don Gaffney as well for joining us. Until next time, this is Pat Dooley, the sports columnist at the Gainesville Sun. I am deep. I am way back. And I am on vacation. The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Tire Kingdom. Let Tire Kingdom get you there safely and affordably. Midas, trust the Midas touch. Outback Steakhouse, no rules, just right. And by Regions Bank, making life better every day.